this year's podcast at Acme Comedy Club. <laughs> this year's podcast is here. We're at the podcast hub. We're going to talk about things that we talk about in other ways, but here it's talked about in a podcast way. <laughs> That's <laughs> you just summed it up. Let's try to do go. that now. <laughs> My name's Justin Severson. My guest is David Crow, and this is no laugh track. Acme's official podcast, not like there's another one, but. You know, it's no, tied to Acme, so I need to brag. goddammit. that's true. That's important. That's Acme's official. Broadcast. Yeah, it's not my podcast. It's broadcast. Acme's. I'm just working for them. So, welcome to uh, Minneapolis. Thank you. Thank you. You've been here a few days now. Flew in on the thirtieth. On the thirtieth. Yeah, because a okay. uh, uh, couple of reasons. But one is, you know, when you're doing two New Year's Eve shows, uh, a flight away from your house in an area that gets snow, you don't really want to risk that day of arrival. Yeah. I support that's, that's good planning ahead. Hey, Lewis. Uh, yeah, ice can't make it. Yeah, no chance. See you Friday. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's really good planning so, ahead. So Have kidding. you ever been caught in that? And, you know, where you were like, fuck, I can't make it. I'm, I have never uh, been caught in that. Never not made it, mainly because I always do this little day before thing. Nice. If it looks like it could be. If it's problem. Minnesota, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. So uh, you did two New Year's Eve shows here. How was that? You know, the... Uh, Audiences at this particular club are—they're uh, always great. And New Year's Eve, there was a sort of a theater crowdness about them. There was a, a sophistication that uh, I, that surprised really? me. Yeah, not—it didn't shock me, but I thought, oh, right, hmm, downtown Minneapolis. Yeah, New Year's Eve. There was sequins in the. Uh, People, you know, they, they see an event and they just, they say, you know what, let's make this a special occasion. And they, you know, most people, there was like one guy in the front with a sweatshirt with gravy on it and <laughs> yeah. a ball cap or whatever. You know. <laughs> he, he didn't know what you're returning country. to. Right. Damn right. right. Um, I No, I talked to another comedian that was working, uh, that's been working with you this week, Brian Miller. Uh, just Brian Miller, the monkey drag child. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to him briefly uh <laughs> Earlier tonight, and he gave me a little uh, story about uh, how the countdown went for New Year's. I missed the countdown. Yeah, what happened? Um, <laughs> I just having fun, and uh, the clock in my head was went was way off. Uh, I was originally going to come out and start the show by having by assigning somebody the duty of keeping track of time. Mm-hmm. Usually, there's some sort of anal retentive engineer type mm-hmm. who you know it's really important for him. Oh yeah, to you need the exact a kiss moment, right at the moment. Yeah. So he's got a uh, a nuclear chronometer, and uh, and he, you know he's got it all timed out. And so you have that guy keep track for you. Then throughout your set, you can go back to that guy. Yeah. But I just completely forgot about that when I walked out on stage and went uh, well, and just started the show. Got off on some tangent. There was a guy with a Minnesota Wild ball cap over here, and and a. A sweater, drinking a beer, and he just looked way more comfortable than the rest of us. So I started talking to him, yeah. and uh, mit- completely forgot about the time. So then, about what in my head felt like thirty-five minutes into the show, or forty minutes in, I thought, "Oh, I should check in for time." And I, I checked in, and it was twelve o'clock and thirty seconds. Oh, no kidding! <laughs> right. But we forced the countdown anyway. Oh, okay. Said, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> You nice. most people so we they had champagne out. And that's how great the staff is here. I didn't even see them put out three hundred glasses of champagne. Oh no shit. Yeah. So I didn't I was, know that was part of it. Yeah. Did so, you get a glass of champagne? I, I, I the the other comics came brought out a whole bottle and so we did the countdown and everybody smooched. Uh that would be my only recommendation to in, in the future is if you're gonna 
if you're going to have three comics on the bill for New Year's Eve countdown, make, make sure one of them's female because there, there was no one for the comics oh, to smooch. Oh, no. Or, or go to Deja Vu and have someone show up. <laughs> That's just down the road. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> really? It is? I'm telling I, you I something no you idea. already know. <laughs> so anyway, we did the countdown a little bit late. but And then you go back in and tell some more jokes and then everybody hits the road. Yeah, is it an easy I, I, transition I, I to go back into I the act? Normally, no, I don't. I wouldn't normally do that because I, I feel like people like can celebrate and entertain themselves, and they're happy doing that. But they forced, they forced me to. They wanted more, <laughs> so you went on. A little. I felt like I had to because I messed up the countdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun. And then some guy came up after the show, and he goes, uh, "I'm I'm chatting with a table of yeah of people who've." just been celebrating new years mm-hmm. and this guy comes up and says excuse me I, I i i hope you don't take offense but uh uh the set you did the i could tell the 15 minutes that you did after the countdown was uh really a lot better than the 40 you did before huh? uh was that like uh was that old stuff you were doing afterwards because it was it was it just felt like it was a lot funnier <laughs> well happy new year <laughs> well i mean he's saying what he's saying is Hey, nice set there at the end. Way to way to really bring the show to a crescendo. But he kind of set it in a way that didn't allow you to accept it that way. It was like, that, yep, you could have just uh, stopped right there. <laughs> I know, you could have just stopped right there. But what I said is, uh, you know, I felt like the audience was way better after New Year's. Ah, yeah, you <laughs> yeah, turned it on. Before you guys were kind of uptight. It was like, well, we're kind of new at being an audience. But uh, but then once you got settled into it, you guys were fantastic. That's so. awesome. You turned it on perfectly. You probably didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. Do you normally work on New Year's Eve? Have you ever tried to avoid you try those? To. You try to. You try to always? I mean, if you don't, you always feel like a little bit of a failure. Booking, like you're a booking failure. But Oh, okay. I mean, this is a trill treat. I was born in St. Paul, so... Me too. No way. Yeah. What way. hospital? Uh, it doesn't... It's. Uh, it was Midway Hospital. It's not there anymore. Oh, okay. It doesn't exist. Mine is was St. Joe's. Yeah. Saint oh, that's... Jo- I don't know if it's St. Joseph's. Joseph's. St. Joseph's. Joseph's. Yeah. And it's not there either. They turned it into condos. That's right. Yeah. I think so. I'm told, but I was going to go there uh, tomorrow or the next day. Just I've never been back to the place of my birth. Oh, no kidding! How, yeah. But you live in Seattle now. Well, my dad flew for Northwest Airlines. Oh, so uh, so he's transferred out to Seattle. But you, where did you grow up then? Well, he was a Seattle. Okay, he was a, a Canadian Air Force pilot, and back in the uh, mid '60s, uh, this whole jet transportation age was just starting and they needed pilots mm-hmm. so canada didn't so much because it's a small country but the u.s really needed pilots so my dad came down on a uh we don't have enough pilots work visa and got a job with northwest and green card the whole bit uh so that's how you're not canadian right because <laughs> i was actually conceived in winnipeg okay <laughs> if you want to gimli to be perfectly honest it's a population of Gimli. That's where the conception happened. And then they moved down to here to go through some flight training. And then I was born here. And then, boom, two months old out to Seattle. Oh, so that was a – yeah. That's your – because, you know, uh, people from Minnesota and the Midwest in general, but especially, you know, we have such a complex. Like when someone mentions, I was born here. Like I got super excited when you said Oh, really? <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't really count? Tell but, us more. Come on. But now, Tell me all your favorite parks and now, cities and, and restaurants. Oh, and no, I'm right. I'm kidding. <laughs> right. Uh, well, that is an interesting connection to coming back here, though. I just did a two and a half month tour of Canada. 
And we started, uh, and it was put on by a uh, financial services company. They're kind of doing these shows for all their clients, but they have a lot of clients. So one show in Winnipeg is 2,000 people on a Tuesday night at the Winnipeg Centennial Hall, right? Yeah. So it was it was a tour from mid middle Ontario, North Bay, all the way out to Victoria, B.C., mm-hmm. 38 cities, all in these, the biggest venue in town every night. Holy and, crap. And for somebody who has Canadian, my, both my parents are Canadian. Okay, yeah. So for somebody who has Canadian roots, it was it was really remarkable for me to, to be able to tour an entire country like that in style and doing these big theater shows because I was visiting the towns that ha- I that that lived in my family lore. Yeah. For years, but I, you know, I heard about stories about when the parents went to Winnipeg, or when the parents lived in Moose Jaw, or when the parents lived in <laughs> what a name BC, yeah, or Fort Fraser, BC. And yeah. So, so it was really a treat, and and I, uh, I think I think family connecting with your family history is 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 really important. Yeah, if absolutely. you don't if you don't uh, bother to go see those places that your family's from, no matter how small or distant they might be, yeah, that's a good. Uh, you're missing out. Yeah, because it's who you are, like it or not, and. I am far more comfortable in Canada, and Minnesota is very Canadian-esque, uh-huh. okay, than I am in many places in the United States. Yeah. Have you ever, you've never lived in Canada yourself? No. No. But there is a area, regions of the United States that are way more Canadian than they are, say, Texan. Sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> or, uh, uh, yeah. Or then they are Floridian, uh-huh. or they are South Carolinian, you know? There's just a real, like... Like these, oh, these are my people. I get that feeling, mm-hmm. and I certainly get that here in Minnesota. Well, I will tell you that uh, this we're going to turn this podcast into how much we love Canadians real quickly because um, <laughs> I have what I have a part time job where I sell beer at uh at, well I'm wearing the wild hat just right, like right. you said the guy in the right. uh, second row is wearing a wild hat I work at uh, the Minnesota Wild games when they play selling beers okay a beer man and when uh, the Canadian fans come into town they're they're the most loyal happiest friendliest right yeah. And they they always come down when there's a big concert uh, in St. Paul. People come from Canada, like it ends up yeah. being like the nearest tour date for some, you know, for the national headliners. Or they come here to see their team, their hockey team, because they can't get tickets back home because the games are sold out. Right? So, are you uh, talking the 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 Jets? Oh yeah, the Jets. Yes, right. Huge Jets following. Canadian Montreal, huge following here. No way. Oh yeah. No. Oh yeah. They they red the place out, or you know, like where half of the stadium ends up wearing red from the Canadians fans. Wow. Uh, here. It's pretty neat, though, even, you know, watching the opposition like that. Yeah, when you travel across Canada, you realize, oh, this is America's pantry. <laughs> because there's so few people in so much farmland up there. Yeah. It just goes on and yeah, on yeah, and on. That's a good point. It's Canadians aren't eating all this food, that's for sure. No. So let's, uh, if I look straight ahead here, I'm looking at a camera. If I look yeah. to my right, there's a camera. There's camera, camera, camera. Explain to the people that aren't here and to me what's going on. Why are we being filmed, David Crow? That was scotch, not a camera. <laughs> um, well, okay. This, These aren't my cameras. The cameras started. Uh, I've always been a little bit of a gearhead. Uh, it felt like, uh, you know, I, I can't watch mechanical things happening like video and audio recording and not have to know how it's done, right? Okay. My whole life. So when I was doing this 38-date, 
tour of Canada in these big theaters, I thought, wow, you know, I, I got to record this. Mm-hmm. So I went and bought a really nice new Canon high def, not a consumer Best Buy model, but something that you only get at the the pro camera mm-hmm. shops. Yeah. And I got one that was small-ish and traveled well. And then I had one, so I thought, I got to shoot these shows at these theaters. And of course, as soon as I started doing that, one camera is not enough oh, to cover no. a theater. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, I'm in Red Deer, Alberta, and I go to their pro camera shop, and and they had two more that were not as good as the one I had, but very similar, just not all the features, mm-hmm. so that it was about half price. Mm-hmm. So I picked up two more. So there I am with my own three-camera shoot in a bag, right? Yeah. So that's why I yeah you see all these cameras. Well, wh- the date to work at Acme has been here for, on the books for me for about nine months. Mm-hmm. But... I'm not married, but I have a daughter and I have a, a woman in my life and we're very close and we raise the daughter together. We're sort of a little bit kind of on the rocks right now, you might say, but Uh-oh. I only live a block away from her and we we have dinner together every night. It's sort of a situation I would never wish on anybody, but it's better than a lot of mm-hmm. uh, on the rock situations. Sure. So, oh, I'm familiar. I don't know how, <laughs> how much detail I... I can get into because I haven't figured it all out, but it sounds like it because this happened all very recently. Anyway, yeah. uh, she was born with a, a heart defect, uh, and it's since she got b- pregnant, the heart defect got a lot worse because uh, a woman's heart, when it has to pump for two, everybody always says, I'm eating for two. Mm-hmm. Well, your heart has to, <laughs> heart never gets enough credit because mm-hmm. it's got to pump all that blood through you. And then this whole other being mm-hmm. that doesn't it's it's got a run of the river heart that doesn't really pump itself. It, sure. it just you know, the, the the mother's heart is doing all the work. That's the battery. The right. real battery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's actually adding the pressure. Yeah. And the the baby heart's just practicing. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh because of all that extra work, uh her heart valve actually problem got a lot worse. Okay. So uh and it it was affecting how she felt all the time. It was affecting her ability to work. It was affecting a lot. And then it, when your heart is under that much stress, it actually starts to, the muscle structure changes and it begins to get bigger and get thicker and that's irreparable. So there's there's a point where you either have to repair the problem or you're going to wreck your heart. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she decided that she would, finally go get it fixed and at uh, and she chose the mayo clinic in rochester just oh, an hour south of here that's right and the date she chose this is all just coincidence is uh, january 2nd uh today yeah so when i, I and i was planning to record a cd here at the club because it's a fantastic club to record in many it's many probably, people have yeah. many will yeah <laughs> it's, it's a, a good... little bit of a plug and play audience situation you no. go where can i get the best audience i can imagine for a comedy cd mm-hmm. how do i get them to show up oh well, they're going to be at acme every week so i'll just go there a great decision so uh as i began to prepare for my little cd project here and then she was going to be having heart surgery at, in the same state in the same right down the street and wow. then uh someone who uh at the club here who i've known for a long time uh actually had the same exact surgery uh 
in September. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, and I thought, wow, how is how is that? This, the coincidence is crazy. And then the I, the my CD project started to shrink in relevance. Yeah. When I looked at this week, mm-hmm. and I thought, I don't know if this is uh, if this will yield anything or if it will if it's even the right thing to do, but. Uh, I this little voice in my head said I should probably hire somebody to just run a documentary camera for the week while I'm here going through all of these things. And at the end of the week, maybe we'll have something, maybe we won't. We'll see in, in the editing room. But I, I felt like I would regret it if I went through this week and didn't have somebody recording it just in case. Because you can't get it back. No. So, um, it's been a, it's been a crazy week. You know, you start with New Year's Eve at Acme and from a comedy perspective, it's, you know, one of, one of your favorite shows of the year. Sure. Celebration. And yeah. then the next day you're down at Mayo and they're, you're sending somebody that you love into major heart surgery. Sure. And, uh, they're just two sort of opposite experiences. So anyway, these... Uh, I was going to try to do it myself because that's what it was my first instinct is to, well, I can just do it myself. But it became very evident just three days ago that I can't be thinking about recording or uh, There's a lot going shooting. on, David. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a lot going so on. So I was my, my ten. I said, I'm just going to screw it. I'm just going to back. I'm not going to do it. But what that really meant is, no. Just because I do don't do it doesn't mean it can't be done. I need to get somebody else to do it. Yeah. So, so, uh, so um, these guys are what, from Craigslist or something. Um, well, they actually shot the 20, the Acme twentieth anniversary, and so um, they were recommended. Perfect uh, for this, and the club's very comfortable with them. And, yeah, yeah. And I've seen their work. So yeah. So that's where we are, and uh, boy, I got to tell you. Uh, you're, it's emotional thin ice. That's the thing. You know, you know, you can, you never know when you're going to step and go here. I got to ask you. I mean, you know, I really appreciate that you're doing this right now, and I hope it's you know, maybe it helps a little bit. I don't know, it, but uh, it does a little bit. It's 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 really hard to come up and do a comedy show after spending all day at the Mayo. I can't imagine. But it's also thank God. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not just going back to my room at the DoubleTree in Rochester. You know, I have this up here, and yeah. there's other comics who don't know anything about this, and they're just sure, like, sure. "Hey, what do you think about this joke?" And I'm like, "You know what? Yeah, let's focus on your bacon joke. <laughs> Throw a fart in there, right? Yeah, that's what you need. Bacon jokes always need a good fart noise at the end. That's... <laughs> well, I wow. So it's, it's I mean, what are you gonna? I I, I want to ask what do you, like when we're done here tonight? You gonna what are you gonna do to de- decompress? Well, this is kind of the deep. I mean, well, I guess no, that's true. But uh, this is. It's not. Uh, I mean, the last thing I felt like doing right now is a podcast. I, I can but, I'm only imagine. Yeah, but that's <laughs> you know that's when interesting some interesting things happen. Sometimes sure. is yeah. I I one of my core beliefs uh, is, or one of my maxims that I try to live by is is. Uh, you don't learn anything from staying home. Yeah. You know, if there's a weird situation or something, and I'm just kind of referring to comedy, but it's also true in life. Sure. Uh, if there's some sort of nightmarish looking show that's about to happen and you just want to walk, you can do that. But 
you know what watching a rerun of Matlock is going <laughs> to give you. And that's what you'll do it, right? That's what you do at the hotel. So just go out and see what happens. It may be awful, but at least it's new. Sure. <laughs> and something. At least you'll, you'll probably learn something. So, so that's... Are you what I'm thinking you? about this is, nope. uh, is yeah, I'm, you know, do it. And yeah. See what happens. Something, something really amazing. I mean, you're actually, I'm so thankful you're not just one of these crazy morning zoo-like, I don't know, just <laughs> everybody has more energy. Oh, no. I, no. I work on a morning radio show. I don't know if you know that. Uh, but, um, yeah, they said KQ, right? That's right. Right, right, yeah. right. And uh, but yeah, no, I I don't want this to be that. So thank you for saying that. I appreciate well, so I'm, that. I'm thankful. You actually, it feels like a real conversation. That's, well, I I feel like it is. So that's good. Thank you. Um, what what do you do on a normal night when you're um? Are you a night owl? You stay up. You know, you get off stage here tonight like ten thirty. Do you go back and scour the internet, watch I'm movies, so write? Saddled with uh, uh, how what I'm supposed to do. The way I was raised, I would love just to go out and drink and go to Deja Vu and just get up and do nothing yeah. all day. I don't see anything wrong with that, really, but mm-hmm. but I don't do that. You don't do that. I, You're productive. I, I go home. I, I try to do my homework. I try to get a good sleep. I try to wake up and to be a good career man. I, yeah. You know what? And I don't know that it's working for me. <laughs> I could see a lot of guys like Nick Swartzen who just like fucked off their whole life. <laughs> and uh, he's wildly famous and hilarious. Yeah. That's, so, that bastard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I don't know, but it's, it's what I... That's yeah. funny. I, 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 uh, I love history. Um. I just picked up a book called 1941. I'm sorry, uh, 1491. That's that's completely different. Yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's about Columbus bombing Japan <laughs> and zombies. Uh, have you heard about? I assume no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it is a book about what the Americas were like uh, before Columbus arrived. Okay, so that's 1492 would be the year yeah, Columbus sure. arrived, and so 1491. And there is so much misinformation uh, uh, disseminated by our public education system because all of our history books have to be uh, groomed and purified by boards boards of education who, of oh, yeah. course, yeah, yeah. don't want – they want the mythology of America to live, not the reality, the history. So um, so the uh, – and because there are no Native Americans on school boards anywhere because mm-hmm. they have their own reservation system – um, they don't get a say in what's in our textbooks in public schools. And so their story is never told. And it doesn't make any sense because the real story is way more interesting mm-hmm. and way more riveting to people, to kids, than the whole Pocahontas and, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, Thanksgiving turkey thing. So that's what this book's about. I just I just love stuff like that. So I, I would tend to go home and crack that and read You know, the only the way... The only way that story will ever become mainstream is if Disney makes a movie about it. The, you know, the real one. You think? Yeah. Well, they did make Pocahontas, and they didn't. They didn't really tell the real. No, story. That's what I mean, though. If they do, do redo right. that with, with the real, can you imagine story? a Disney cartoon opening with eighty percent of Pocahontas's tribe dying of smallpox, <laughs> <laughs> and the reason she hooks up with this 
Jamestown fella is because uh, he's the only male left in the world that she knows. <laughs> Kids. <laughs> yeah. Let's go see the matinee. And he hooks up with her because he finds 12-year-olds hot. See? Yeah. <laughs> see? I think that's coming to the holiday season, 2013. 2013. Well, uh, 14, probably, maybe. Probably 3013. Like 30, yeah. Maybe what we should do is take <laughs> Disney movies and uh, and just re- just do new voiceovers to them. Because we can, with cartoons, you can pretty much add oh, yeah. a new script to them. Without, Absolutely. Yeah. I like that. I like it. <laughs> Maybe next time you come back to town, you have a little video series. Yeah. So how did you, uh, what, uh, I I know these are stories that people tell a thousand times, so we don't have to get, you know, every little detail, but uh, where did you get your start on stage? Was it in Seattle? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, 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 it's interesting. It's interesting. (laughs) Let me puff my pipe. (laughs) Here we are. Uh, I... I, of course, got a Steve Martin album when I was a kid, Wild and Crazy Guy, yeah. Remem- memorized it, yeah. and I was always fascinated by comics and so on, uh, Tonight Show comics and stuff. But really, the reason that I went to an open mic, and I think a lot of comics, they they have this moment too. It's less glamorous, because we all say about the, the famous comic that influenced us, but there's usually somebody we met who's not famous, who, are, who was just someone in our life, that really, they were the impetus in getting us to go to our first open mic. Okay. Right? For me, it was, uh, I was working as a shore excursion manager on a cruise ship, and the ventriloquist on the cruise ship, Don Bryan, who had a little puppet named Mr. Noseworthy. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, I met him, and he was, you know, ventriloquist slash comedian. And I had never met a comedian before. I'd seen him on TV, but I'd never had, actually had a personal connection with one. And it was that that made me go, oh, I want to do what he does. Seeing people on TV never made me do that. It was all, it was yeah. Hollywood land. It was fantasy world. It was sure. television land. Yeah, it's completely, it yeah. didn't seem... Disconnected, yeah. Yeah. And so it was after meeting Don Bryan. So... Really, he's the re- he doesn't know this, but he's the reason that I I got off the ship and boom went to open mic. Is he still working when, alive when, around? I suppose he is. And when I went to open mic, um, the f- one of the comedians that was there also trying to become funny was Mitch Hedberg. So he lived in Seattle for a while. Oh yeah, and I remember born in St. Paul. Yeah, come well, on, very funny people are. <laughs> and one of the things that I re- never I will never forget. Because he wasn't getting laughs back then. Yeah. But he was, I didn't know who he was, but he's this guy standing on stage. He's got long blonde hair with this Jeff Spicoli sort of Tijuana hoodie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he's just standing there up on stage and he just goes, ha, ha, for about a minute. Uh-huh. Doesn't say anything. Ha, Then he said, they told me I needed to try to be more captivating. Ha, <laughs> And he stood there for four more minutes. Yeah. Just going, hmm. And then no one's laughing, right? They're going, what the hell? Is this guy high? Yeah. And then after five five minutes each at the open mic, he goes, oh, I guess I got to work on that. And they walked off. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So so I thought, I remember thinking, because I wasn't going up that night. I was just going to watch. Okay. I remember thinking, well, if that guy can get up there and do that, surely I can get up there and do something if i have one joke <laughs> yeah, that's one more than him <laughs> i know yeah so so that was it 
It was at the Comedy Underground in Seattle, which was our kind of home club. Yeah, yeah. But um, back before uh, the internet, social media, uh, it was advertising was expensive. So comedy clubs were the place where you had open mics. But nowadays, there's little coffee house open mics everywhere. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I mean, yeah, in town here, there's every night really? you could go to one. Yeah, and the best ones here, of course. But oh yeah, this is the one that the open micers are trying to graduate to. Yes, Monday nights here. Yeah, I did. I told a story last week or two weeks ago, but I had a buddy that just did it for the first time. So I got to. You oh know, really? I've I don't you know I don't tell jokes. I don't go up on stage and tell jokes, but I got to experience it. You know. From someone that I know firsthand, the other just a few weeks ago, that was really, it was neat. It was yeah, really remarkable. It was neat. It was neat. <laughs> it was neat. I liked it. And I, I don't think he's got back up on stage yet, so I gotta push him a little more. Uh, Any more? Uh, so what? Uh, you had this third. What did you say? Thirty-eight city. Yeah. Yeah. To twenty thirteen, have anything that awesome planned? Well, uh, things went okay on it, I guess. So they booked me for the uh, Ontario and Maritimes tour in the fall next year. Oh, wow. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Being a, if I could see the other half of Canada, the populated half. Yeah. What do you, you I, said? I had a, a, a funny thing happened while I was in Vancouver on this tour because my family came up to stay with me. Mm-hmm. And you, do you have kids? You have two? I have two daughters. How old are they? Four and six. Okay, so yeah, you're well into the fun stuff. You get to go do something out and about with them now. Oh, hell yeah. They're not just toddling around the house. No, no. Oh, yeah. Do you ever try to do things where... They drag me outside. Do they? Oh, yeah. Did you grow up here in Minneapolis? Yeah, St. Paul, yep. So do you ever try to go do things with them that you did when you were a kid? (laughs) Of course. Okay. (laughs) Of course. Uh, Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, my girlfriend's in the back of the room here, and she's yeah, she's probably rolling her eyes right now because right. I I think I pushed too much too much of my stuff okay. and things that I liked in place. Yeah, so definitely, I, I had one of those things sort of backfire on me recently. We're in Vancouver, and when I was a kid in Vancouver, my parents took me to the Vancouver Aquarium. Mm-hmm. This would be in the late seventies, and I just remember that as being the best aquarium i'd ever seen in my life right they had dolphins that would leap through hoops of fire they had killer whales that did tricks and would flick their tail at the audience and splash everybody sounds they, great they had seals doing seal races you know these big blubberous animals yeah. just like cruising around it was so much fun yeah holy cow so i really wanted my daughter to see the greatest marine mammal show ever and? So we go to the Vancouver Aquarium. Well, Vancouver, B.C. has become the the fount of ultra-liberalism on the planet, mm. right? It's it's more liberal than even... I mean, you, it's it's all very... Everything's green. Greenpeace is from Vancouver, right? That maybe says it all, then. Right. So <laughs> I'm all excited to go to this seal blubber racing show and the dolphins jump through the hoops of fire. Uh, the Vancouver Aquarium has changed. <laughs> uh oh. Oh no. Yeah, gone is the middle aged guy with a big mustache who who just, you know, prods the animals with a with a cattle prod to get oh, them no. to do tricks in his bucket of fish. It was all about What do they have? They, they just had dolphins swimming around in a pool and then they lectured us on on habitat oh, loss no. for dolphins. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> And all this, you know, they, they 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 didn't even have killer whales. They let them go. They freed so, them. So yeah, yeah. It was like 
Uh, you can watch the video of them letting yeah, the whales yeah, I, go. Right. Whales don't do well in captivity. And back, I remember the guys like, we know how hard it is to go find whales out in the sound, so we trapped some for you so you could see them just right. right from your car. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and they actually had a, an exhibit on exotic frogs. And, I'm, and so, you know, little kid likes frogs. We're looking at all of the course. frogs. And there's one exhibit. And I'm trying to find the frog. It's the red-striped frog. And I'm looking and looking, and I can't find it in the little box. And then I look at the sign, and it says, The red-striped frog has been extinct for over five years. Uh-oh. Due to the carelessness of man and habitat loss caused by industry and greed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you want to show up and leave with a lesson. Yeah, that sounds like yeah, a blast. I know. I pay 20 bucks to get into the human suck exhibit is what it turned out to be. <laughs> well, I hope you haven't made the big excuse of trying to take her to the circus. I haven't. Yeah. No. Is that not good e- anymore either? Oh, uh, you, if you can get in through all the protesters outside. Oh. I don't remember that when I was a kid. I know. In St. Paul, the Civic Center, they might know my dad would take me to see the circus once a year. At least that's what I remember. Maybe it was only once that it was that good. But I've, and I haven't taken my kids yet, uh, but not because I have any problem. I don't, you know, I don't have any problem with the circus. I don't know. Right. I'm, I'm crazy. Right. Look at how controversial I, I am. I but know. people protest outside circuses. So uh, it's just like what you, it's sort of like what you were saying here. Like you could show up with your, you know, like I walked by about a year ago and I wasn't going, I was just walking past where they were having the circus in town here. And there's right. people holding up the signs with dead animals on them and the beating of the elephants and, or, you know, the alleged beating of these elephants. And people are walking up with their children. And I'm going, if I was here with my two daughters and you're here showing them, you know, yeah. dying elephants, you you're the asshole. So there's pictures. I'm not the of asshole. Dying yes, oh, yeah. they're standing right at the entrance, like you know, the kids got the hat, with the spinner on the head, you know, like right. I want to get some peanuts. Like really, really. Yeah, I just loved how. Guess the memory to that's kind of ruined. In the seventies, you know, they were so unapologetic about it. Just look, animals are here for our entertainment. That's right. Enjoy. <laughs> Well, there's a zoo in town here uh, in St. Paul that uh, I, the, some of the cages, the outdoor cages, are still there from when I was a kid, you know, like in the 70s and 80s. And uh, and I still take my kids to the Como Zoo, and it's fantastic. But those tiny cages now that were filled with animals, when I, they, they finally realized they can't use those little ones anymore. Now they're just like, uh, look what we used to have. It's oh, just, really? Yeah, it's just uh, now they, they turn that building into like a... Um, you know, office, like uh, right. zoo offices or something. So, but I walk by there like, yeah, but you know, when daddy was a kid, there was a tiger in that, you know, six by four cage. Like, right. And now they're out roaming free and that's just quite different. Well, I've been a little bit fortunate because Inga is from South Africa. So yeah. Every year we go down to South Africa uh, to visit her parents, Tundi's grandparents. And my daughter, my daughter's name is Tundi, which is a South African name. Excuse me, I'm about to hiccup. There you go. And what I found about uh, safaris in Africa is, um, though it's impressive to see lions, you, you're better off taking a safari in a place where there are no lions. Because? Because when there are no lions... There aren't anything else. The animals aren't hiding. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> right? a good point. They're out. Yeah. They're just, let's eat grass and enjoy the sun. Where yeah. there are lions, all the animals are... Scared and in the shade. You're only going <laughs> right. to maybe see a lion, right. is what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or right. something that could fly above it. Right. Yeah. You don't see like a dozen kudu with 18 zebra just all sort of milling about. <laughs> so just you, be, uh, be warned. Go see the lions at a zoo and then go on the safari to see all the other grass eaters. 
I saw on a uh, on the internet somewhere where there's only truth on the internet. Right. It says you open for Bill Clinton at some point. What is that? Oh, that was back in the back in a fundraiser when he was running for president. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. Uh, okay. The true story is you think the White House picked me to open for Bill or to perform for the president. It's actually not how it actually happened. He was coming to Seattle doing a big fundraiser, so he hired a PR firm in Seattle or the Democratic Party yeah. to put on the event. And then the president, after he goes and talks to Bill Gates and Paul Allen and smooshes for money and stuff, right, he just comes in and talks to the the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so my friend is working for this PR firm at the time, and he's doing this roundtable as they're coming up with ideas for this event. It was called the Saxophone Event, and a lot of Seattle's popular musicians at the time were going to be playing in a band, and Bill was going to play sax. Oh, cool. So my friend goes, uh, just completely, complete nepotism, just looking for an opportunity to insert me into the program if he could. He goes, you know what would be a really good way to start off this event, just to make sure everybody's in a really, in the right mood, in the right space, having a good time? Like five or ten minutes of a comedian. (laughs) They're like, you know how these roundtables are. That's a great idea. We should do that. He goes, I know the perfect guy. Well, see if he can do it. <laughs> and How so, much will we have to give him? Right. Yeah, yeah nothing. Yeah. <laughs> do it for free. Yeah, exactly. So that, I like that. But, I, um... but it actually, uh, the, the outside story of that was I was doing the San Francisco comedy competition at the time. And San Francisco around that time was the scene in the country. San Francisco and Boston. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, a little um I would resistant to accepting just any random outsider. Okay. It was hard scene to break into. Yeah. Ask Mark Marin. You know, <laughs> he was he was right in the heart of it, right? Sure. I've heard those stories. So uh they were there, you know, there was a big hack police going on and you know, all this oh, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So uh I went down and did one night, my first night in the prelims down there. I went on last after 20 comedians wow. uh, and uh, and ended up pulling out a decent set and gotten third. Nice. So everybody's like, who is this guy who went last and got third from sale? We don't, we don't know this guy. And then I was gone the second night because there's six nights of competition. Mm-hmm. And they're going, where's that guy who got third last night? Where did he go? And Ann Fox, producer, she says, oh, he, he had a gig apparently for President Clinton. He didn't want to cancel so he's off doing that they're like yeah right whatever so i come back on the third night yeah. where were you last night i had this chance to do a gig for president clinton like what and then that night i got first look at that so it's sort of oh, right that is awesome. now i did not place in the top five for the rest of the contest yeah yeah but my my reputation had been sealed <laughs> <laughs> i was welcomed into the fold of great san francisco comedians i know it was i couldn't have worked out better so let, let me meet, yeah, your new friends are introducing you as you, as their old friend. Right, right, right. right hey, right. It's, you guys know David, right? right. Crow, fucking crow. Right. So it was, it was really uh, fortunate, and I was, I was uh, honored to be, to get, the, you know, to, to not have to fight my way in to yeah. the clubhouse, as it were. Well, however it can work, that's yeah. good. Did you, um, is it true that you were, I, I, like I said, I saw your, I, I saw the act tonight, and part yeah, of yeah. it is, uh, you talk about online dating. Yeah, that's that how true. I met, that's how I met Enga. Yeah, that's basically how I. Part of my reason for wanting to record a CD this week and is because this I have this 
lump of material that's just and I think it has a lot to do with having kids. Kids change so fast that you want to talk about what's having happening in your life now, mm-hmm. but you're with a three year old. So the material you were doing a year ago with the two year old or the eighteen month old just isn't true anymore. Yeah. Right. So I I felt like okay, I just want to get this recorded and done with so I don't feel like I'm lying anymore, right? <laughs> because what's true when you have kids, what's true now will be a lie in a year. That's true, because they change so fast. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And no matter how funny it is, it just always feels weird to to not be, you know, to, to, to kind of be bending the truth a little bit. Yeah. So I want to get this, that was the whole idea behind this week, was I'm, I'm going to record this stuff, and then it'll be done it'll be I, I don't have to feel like i don't have to do it anymore it'll be in the vault yeah do you uh if someone wants to hear it they can listen to it i don't have to say it how is it going to be available do you think i, I, haven't, I don't know who knows we'll yeah at the end of the week if there is a thing to be available <laughs> i guess I, the old the normal ways website itunes yeah mail <laughs> mail cassette After tape. shows yeah <laughs> sure cassette tape yeah why not why not? I'm thinking of, you know, uh, of trying a whole new way of marketing this project. I'm going to, and this has never been done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to pay people to listen to it. Okay. So I'm pretty I'm sure. Ready. I think I think I can get up to a million listeners pretty quick. <laughs> never been done. Who's backing that one up? I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm ready to listen. I'll I'm just to... thinking, because it used to be you sold this stuff, then you sold it for cheap. Now people are giving it away online just to get it out there. You're right. Yeah, but no next? one's tried paying people to hear it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I will have the best unselling record. Well, you could, yeah, you could, uh, you know, tape a dollar bill to them and give them away, but that doesn't mean people listen to it. That's true. There's got to be something in there. Could be. Anyway, well, it'll be out there. It'll be available, I guess. Yeah. What else is planned for the new year here? This, this, well, this documentary thing. Um, <sighs> I have a new greeting card line out. Oh, I know what it is. Yeah. If that's, is that podcast worthy? Sure, absolutely. I want to know. Uh, yeah, I and mean, I also want to know about. about I was looking at your website. Uh, the uh, I think the play on words is fantastic. Um, the uh, Chromag. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about that. Okay, the Chromag actually was a little ahead of its time. In the late nineties, uh, I started to do an online, essentially a podcast, but there there weren't any pods around. It was something that you would stream. <laughs> yeah. And it was called Cro-Mag, and I would write 20 jokes a day, and at the end of the week, I would pick the best dozen or of, of the hundred or so jokes I had written and just talk it into a microphone and post it on my website yeah. as a streaming audio so you could do a little five-minute joke hit at the end of the week uh-huh. of topical stuff. And uh, so it was like a Letterman monologue or Leno monologue of my own. Yeah. And... Uh, and it was a ton of work, and no one was listening to streaming audio. <laughs> so I did it for about a year and then quit. But the name of that was Crow Mag. Okay. Like Crow slash magazine, but yeah. mag, but 
Oafish Cave Dweller. See? See, it's all happening there. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Right. I don't drill. You got to use it for something again, I think. Can I ask you what uh, the. I think for me, one of my favorite parts of your act tonight was the German voice. You could have said it's anything. The German in that. voice, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know where that comes from, but Stefan is very much a, a, an effeminate intellectual from German. He's actually East German. It's very. Yeah. He's Inga's brother-in-law, is what he is, and he, he we're the same age, so he kind of got out of college in '89 as the Berlin Wall started to fall. Okay. Or fell. Yeah. And the guy is one of these. You know, you can't keep a smart man or an ambitious man down, given and you, if you give them the opportunity. Sure. And as soon as that wall was down, he's like, "I'm getting as far away from communism and corruption and this kind of oppressive, top-down authoritarianism as I can get." Yeah. So he went to South Africa and went to law school because that's about as far as away as you can get when you're from Germany. You know, I'm going to go south. Until I see water, and then I'm yeah, I'd say, and uh, and so he got a law degree, and then he got a corporate contractor contracting negotiation thing degree, and whatever, and, and now he lives in West Germany now, Hamburg, but uh, but he's just so smart, and that's how he talks. He's so, but he's <laughs> so he's such he's so hilarious to me. Um, he was an Olympic class sailor, really for East Germany. Yep, he, was, he saw sailing as a way to get out. <laughs> and uh, and he didn't know the wall was going to fall, but he thought if he mastered sailing. But typical communist way of doing things is he sailed and sailed and sailed, and he said they have a way of taking the fun out of everything. They would have him out there in the winter going around his little triangular course in the snow because they had to put hours in. It's hours that matter, not <laughs> knowledge or fun. Sure. And uh, And so he's doing that, and then in order to get the Olympics, you have to sort of win a certain hierarchy of races and he lost one of them and so they just said okay you are done no more sailing for you and he <laughs> he's done no sailing that's like, it I can't I try for next year no you are done <laughs> and so he like hasn't sailed since here he has been a world class sailor but because he didn't win this one little race he, done what Not, if they did that with your comedy you, you don't they have probably a good, should. They don't have that good night. <laughs> they probably should. There should be. That would be interesting. That that much pressure. If that it, you know, okay. If if you don't win tonight, you can use. You can't use any of those jokes again ever. Yeah. Tuesday. Uh, you know when, what would happen? Second chance Wednesday, and then after that, my delivery would be a, be a lot more like Brian Miller's. Well, what is? Yeah, that sort of energetic desperation of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's, he's so energetic. Yes, he is. He doesn't look so. like he will be off stage, but then he gets. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. Well, David, I I don't know. Thank you for uh, thank you for doing this tonight. Sure, it was uh, you know we were going to do this afternoon, and then you had uh, you had a lot more heavy, more important shit to deal with. So I'm glad we got to work around and yeah, man, I, I this worked out well because I got to come to your show. I probably wasn't going to be thank, able to. Thanks so. for being flexible with the schedule. I so know this worked out well. Doesn't sound like it fits in with your sleep schedule very well to be up this late. This week it does because the more I'm off, the uh, the A job is off this week for me. So oh, okay, good. I get good. to sleep in tomorrow. Good. So we're all good. Tell people where they can uh, find you online. And do you, you know, do you, I, are you very active on Facebook and Twitter and all that? Not too much. I I I'm not a uh, I'm not an all the time kind of chucking peas at your skull to get your attention. 
I, I tend to take more time to do a larger project and then, boom, I'll take a half an hour of your life and it will be something that's sort of completed. Yeah. And then I'll leave you alone for a while. But davidcrow.com is my website and that's that's a good hub. Uh, I'm... Uh, there was something I was going to say about that, about... Oh, I'm writing a book. That's big. Too. So there you go. Yeah, it's called Jump. Working title is Jump. Yeah. And... Uh, and so I've never written a book before, but uh, something to do in the spare time. And so that's what I mean is, you know, uh, at some point I'll have a published book and then an audio book for you if you want it. But I'm not going to tweet you every two minutes. I, it just doesn't work for that's my not brain. Your thing. I can't do it. Sure. I'm too much of a of a little bit of a recluse and an introspective or an introvert to do that. Well, say a little bit more about this book. What are you going to write about? Well. Is it started? Yeah. Yeah, it's about halfway done. And? Um, there's an old, a Native American saying I read a long time ago that said, as you go the way of life, you will come to a great chasm. Jump. It's not as wide as you think. And I read that a long time ago, and it's always stuck in my head. And I, and I realized recently that I wanted to be a comic when I was in the third grade listening to Wild and Crazy Guy. Right. But I didn't go to my first open mic until I was about 24 and the whole time I wanted to do it but and I had all, but I had all these wild tangents and shoot off this way and shoot off this way and I had near misses with stand up and near and and it was always kind of in my life but yeah. I never went and just did it at an open mic and but those tangents are some of the greatest experiences of my life sure uh, I went and lived in the Amazon with this tribe for a while I I was a commercial fisherman in the up in the Bristol Bay near the right off the Bering Sea for a while. I mean, I did all of these. I traveled to forty countries around the world. I did all these things. Yeah. But really, I always wanted to do stand up. So this the this book is about that journey of sort of avoiding making the leap, but how wonderful those diversions yeah. are because those those are actually I don't have a lot of great stories as a stand-up comedian <laughs> a lot of my great stories have occurred outside stand-up and even before I even tried it right so that's so, where they're going to end up yeah and 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 uh, so that's all I'll say and and uh, you yeah, know I won't say I'm a great writer but I'm, I'm doing okay I'm holding my own I'm, I'm surprised you know Jeffrey Ross wrote a book called uh 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 we only roast those ones we love. we love. Yeah, and I, I got to tour with him in Israel for two weeks mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago, and he's a delightful person. Mm-hmm. Did not strike me as somebody who'd be a very good writer. Mm-hmm. But I was going to. I was hired to do a roast for somebody. I thought, well, I'll read Ross's book to maybe I'll learn something. Fantastic. Very well written book. Yeah. Highly recommend it to anybody. And it, it that was the book that made me think. You know what? That's that's what my book is going to be because it's a. You know, if if Ross can do it, uh, he 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 didn't personally encourage me, but it, it motivated me to to give it a shot myself. Yeah, yeah, well, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, so uh, so I need to write him and tell him that because he's, it's it's a wonderful book and it's just it's not flowery prose or anything. It's just but he's just really direct and honest with his stories and he's got some great stories yeah i've met him yeah he's a good guy um well you can tweet him he's busy on twitter is he 
you can tweet that's, on that's your own appreciation. <laughs> <laughs> David, thank you. Hope you have a great rest of the week here in Minneapolis. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I, I really, pre- sure I, I really mean that. All right. Cheers.